You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield here in the midweek as Mississippi State wins two out of three this past weekend over Ole Miss on Super Bulldog Weekend. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi, and so home life, auto, whatever you're in the market for, go by and see your friends at Farm Bureau. All right, Charlie Winfield. Hey, last weekend we uh, we got together after the Sunday win. We had two Sunday coffees. We had the Sunday morning edition, the Sunday afternoon edition. And so, man, had a couple days to think about it. The concert went well. Spring game really didn't have any injuries or anything that I, we know of. We won the spring game. Everything went well. I don't know that I can – I don't know that I can think of a better commentary to evaluate a spring game other than injuries. Hey, you remember Peerless Price, by the way? Yes. Peerless Price played in the NFL, was the receiver at Tennessee, got hurt on the final play of the spring game one year, tore his knee because a walk-on was trying to make a play on a ball in the end zone. Well, Peerless Price is also the guy that made the catch in the SEC championship game. So maybe they picked the wrong year to – yeah. Get him hurt in a spring game. Uh, <laughs> so, no, it's uh, spring games. You just try to stay healthy. You don't take too much out of that because what we didn't see was didn't see much Woody March. You weren't going to see a lot of Simeon Price, things like that. Not a lot of depth on the defensive line for that ball game. You saw Chris Parson out there a little bit, but that was basically in skeleton drills. So, football, you know, as they say, it is what it is. But baseball – was a big deal. Yeah, it was. I don't know if you can put many more people in that ballpark. That was crazy on Saturday. Just thinking back to it and how, how cool it was. It wasn't too hot. I mean, it was warm, but it wasn't too hot at the game. I thought the weather this weekend was great. We didn't have any rain. I mean, just – and it always helps when you win. I know that. Well, I'll tell you what else is crazy. As a team on the weekend, we hit 202. Our opponent didn't commit an error other than late in the ball game on Saturday. Didn't walk a lot of guys. We committed errors. And, and we, we won, still two won two out of three. We won two out of three. That's all that matters. Hey, speaking of all that matters, and one of the things, one of the big things that matters in baseball is what your RPI is at the end of the year. All right. Put a face on that, though, does it? Because we're used to in basketball the net and Ken Palm and all these things that matter. How much does RPI matter? And are we going to see a situation where, hey, only this many teams from the league are getting in? I think that's the case, but you got to figure out what's the pecking order in the league. No, RPI is not as big in baseball as it is in basketball because everybody's kind of apples and apples in basketball for the most part. In baseball, when you start talking about northern teams, southern teams, hey, the SEC 
every single team in the SEC is in the top 52. Ole Miss is the worst RPI team in the SEC, and they're 52. A&M is next to last at 44. You got the number one team RPI-wise in Kentucky. All right, so looking back, we're 22 and 15. Our RPI as of today is 26. So what's our worst RPI loss? I would have said before the season started that it was going to be VMI when we lost that first weekend. Their RPI is 168. Our loss to Louisiana Monroe, that 11-5 loss against Monroe, they're 198. We don't have a sub-200 loss. They've worked their way into the top 200. And keep going, right? They keep going. The better they do. Hey, boy, last night was a strange night in the SEC, wasn't it? Man, Indiana State beat Vanderbilt. Then you had Tennessee losing against Tennessee Tech. LSU lost to Louisiana Lafayette. Didn't UAB beat Alabama? UAB beat Alabama. Hey, you start talking about RPI-wise, Arizona State's 27. The win against Southern Miss, they're 20. Lipscomb's 114. It's not too bad. Kentucky is number one. Vandy is number seven. South Carolina, number two. I mean, so you start looking at the losses there. Alabama, we won two out of three at Alabama. They're 24th. Ole Miss, 52. I mean, the the thing that stands out to me is you don't have a lot of room down the line to have just detrimental losses. Now, Memphis is 188, and then North Alabama is 280. Maybe need to pray for some rain on May the 16th, Charlie. Well, at some point, just playing those games isn't terribly good for your RPI, right? There was, if there was an advantage to not playing Tuesday on a night where everybody else was losing to teams they shouldn't, maybe it's good we didn't play a team with an RPI in the 200s. Yeah. But I want to talk about standings a minute. Just looking around the SEC, right now in the overall standings, Vanderbilt – sits atop the league. That surprises me. 13-2. and two. I thought Vanderbilt was good. And we knew they played some tough competition. But when Vanderbilt left here, did you think that at the midway point, that's the team that's going to be in first place in the SEC? Well, they outscored us 44-8 to eight in the first two games. No. So, <laughs> so they, they, that, they beat us good. But just watching it, though, when you if you looked at their body of work coming in, I mean, yes. basically what we were having to do on the broadcast was say they're not as bad as you think they are because of their record because they've really played some good teams. They their have. numbers aren't really as bad as you think they are at the plate hitting because they played some good teams. Maybe that's the key. Maybe the key is you just load up on good teams at the beginning of the year. and Load up on the good teams and don't waste any kind of weekend pitching in the midweek because they've lost against Central Arkansas and now Indiana State. But they're 13-2 and two in the league. And four lost teams, Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina. Notice I have not yet said LSU, which I will now do on five lost teams, Kentucky and LSU with five losses. Now, a whole lot goes into who you've played. It does. And, hey, after this coming weekend, you know, Business is going to pick up for us. Now, Tennessee is the team that's kind of the surprise right now. They're 5-10 and 10 in the league, just like us. And that's who Vanderbilt has this weekend. Vanderbilt has them this weekend, and then we play Tennessee. Boy, it? imagine the meltdown in Knoxville. Well, I shouldn't say meltdown. They're not going to have a meltdown. They're going to go back to not caring like they did two years ago. But, man, they got all fired up about Tony Vitello and where – the Vols were headed as a baseball program, and 
you couldn't read Twitter or a message board without we need Vitello. Tennessee is right where we are right now. Yeah, they are. Now, they've got two weekends at home, back-to-back, against Vanderbilt, and then they play us. they got Bellarmine in between there, which will be a big big task for them. But they've got back-to-back home games in Knoxville. And so it'll be very interesting to see what Vandy does with them this weekend because you know, they've lost five out of six in league play. What if Vandy goes in there and sweeps Tennessee? They've lost six out of nine. I mean, they have not been good the last three weeks, but it's against LSU, Florida, and then Arkansas last week they were swept on the road at Arkansas. LSU's at Ole Miss this weekend. This Is this the weekend that Ole Miss is buried in the SEC? I don't know. Um, they got the Morgan Wallen concert Saturday and Sunday up there, so there'll be just a ton of people there. And so I could see Ole Miss winning. I mean, they have some home run potential. They could turn one around. Is it, is it going to surprise me if they win two? Yeah, it would surprise me if they win two, but I would not be surprised if they didn't win one. They do have a chance coming up if you look at Ole Miss's schedule. After LSU, they get Georgia and Missouri. So they've got a chance to kind of put some wins together. That's the one thing we said about their schedule. It's going to be easier down the stretch than ours. It really is. Hey, one of the things coming up in Startville – Next weekend is the King Cotton Crawfish Boil, and that'll be at Fire Station Park. That's this weekend. Is it this weekend? Yeah, it's Friday. Oh, man. Your schedule is off. Oh, that's good. I ain't got anything to do. Hey, we're on the road at Auburn this weekend. I'm going to take part in that. Yes, you've got the King Cotton Crawfish Boil sponsored by Country Pleasing. That's going to take place at the Fire Department Park right over there at the end of Russell Street. Uh, Be alert because – Roads are going to shut down. They're going to give plenty of space for that event to take place. That's tomorrow night. No, that's Friday night. They're at the end of Russell Street at the park right there by the fire station. And then the next day, come on back because it is the trumpet return of the Starwell Community Market. Oh, the farmer's market starts this weekend. And if you haven't been growing something down in Nantawaya ready to come sell, I'm going to be disappointed. No, if Sims I had, usually gets some watermelons going, doesn't Sims he? Sims gets watermelons going back. In, uh, we we do our watermelons late, and so he. Uh, this he is not watermelon season, is what you're telling me. No, you, a lot of folks try to have their watermelons before the Fourth of July. We try to have ours after because we get that second run, that that the end of summer run. And of course, if you're coming to start, well, the ballpark, the Cornerstone Park. I, I had to ask this question last week, and they should be ready and rolling. Later in the summer, and of course, if you're coming to start, we'll make those dinner reservation plans. Man, there were a lot of restaurants that were packed this past weekend. It was pretty awesome to see. Go to startwell.org to plan your weekend. Also, Road Dogs coming up later tonight. Zach Arnett, Zach Selman, and I, and a host of other people will be in Cleveland, Mississippi. This is on Wednesday night. And then tomorrow, lunch in Tupelo. Dinner tomorrow night in Memphis. And so go to the alumni.msstate.edu for more information there. And so we'll have the road dogs kicking up. And then we'll have more road dogs in the month of May as well. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk to Stone Simmons, Mississippi State pitcher. Of course, he's out this year with some arm injury issues. And so we'll talk to Stone and kind of get his thoughts Charlie, he was a big part of that team in 2021, kind of a bridge guy. And um, missing Stone Simmons at the end of last year and Landon Sims and those guys, one of the main reasons that uh, everything kind of went awry at the end of the year last year. But looking forward to talking to Stone. 
No, Stone Simmons is a good guy, and I've enjoyed watching him. Watching him work down in the first base coach's box, but I'll be happier to see him on the mound. Well, thanks to our good friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly want. And they service great restaurants in the southeast. And one of those restaurants is Warner's Fish House in Bogalusa, Louisiana. They've got those whole catfish fillets, the seafood. They've got chicken. they got shrimp. Man, but they can't beat the catfish that you get at Warner's Fish House down in Bogalusa, Louisiana, just across the Mississippi River. You can cross down there on Highway 26 to head straight down to Bogalusa to Warner's Fish House. So Stone Simmons on the other side of the break. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Well, welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield, joined by Mississippi State pitcher Stone Simmons joins us. Stone, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Wait, wait, wait. You called him a pitcher. <laughs> I think you ought to say, like, pitcher slash first base coach. Well, yeah, yeah. we've had a number of coaches here. Have you had anybody yell at you and say, come on, coach, what I are you have, doing? I Get have the all the time. Almost every time I run over to uh, first base, somebody will be uh, right behind home plate. Say, come on, come on, coach, get your uh, get your hitters hitting, yeah, get your pitchers pitching. <laughs> you yeah. get the uh, get in the box. Oh yeah, oh man, all the time. Those are the people that love me though. They're just messing with me. <laughs> so on the road, do you have many people yell at you to get in the box? Um, Stay inside the line. On on the road, yeah, a couple times. I'd say uh, so far this season, it's actually been um, pretty nice road fans. So I have I've been uh, lucky over there because you know Charlie when the road teams come in here Charlie's the guy yelling at the uh, opposing first base coach <laughs> to to stay in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Every team needs one of those guys. Well, I'm also yelling at the hitter to get their back foot in the box. <laughs> you know, you know, Chatagne last weekend's about three inches out the backside of that thing. If we're going to paint the thing on the ground, let's use it, right? Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And I mean, the, there are no gray areas when it comes to Charlie. Okay, you've got to stay inside the line. Right, love not, it. Not on the line. <laughs> All right, so Houston, Texas native, and we'll talk about pitching in just a minute. We'll talk about being a first base coach, but let's just start from the start. From, from the start. Mm-hmm. Originally from Houston, how did you end up at Furman? Uh, man, it's a long story. I wasn't really getting recruited out of high school much, um, and um, I had a buddy who was committed to lacrosse um, at Furman, and he went to my – like I said, he went to my high school, um, and he told me, hey, man, if you want to go to a D1 – college no you're not getting recruited much but uh you'll probably play um it's a great campus great people in south carolina it's worth a visit i said you know okay maybe i'll give it a shot or something and uh ended up taking a visit up there and i love the campus fell in love with the people um and then next thing you know they gave me an offer after uh just the one visit so um it ended up being between there and probably Tulane for me uh, out of high school, and those are my really my only two like offers. And Tulane, I didn't even give them the chance to offer me. I wasn't really interested in going there. Um, so I ended up at Furman, and then um, the rest is history. I was just there for less than a year, and then they cut the program. So Furman, Wofford, a lot of people get them confused. You know, Furman is associated with a Baptist church, and then Wofford with the Methodist church, and both those campuses. If you have never been to South Carolina, to that area, to me, Charlie, and Charlie, you've been to Wofford, I think, right? The Terriers. Yeah, the yeah. Terriers. Those are two beautiful campuses. They're unbelievable. And Greenville, South Carolina is an incredible place, too. It really is. Mm-hmm. And so then the journey to coming to Startwell, how did that take place? 
Um, so I was starting on Fridays for Furman. Um, that was, so I started four times. The first one was on Saturday and then I moved up to the Friday spot and then, you know, they, they cut our baseball program, um, which that's kind of a long story, but, uh, they brought us into a zoom call, told us the program was getting cut. I got into the transfer portal, maybe, um, you know, six hours after that. Um, and then immediately started getting offers from all sorts of schools, which was just pretty much unbelievable. Um, but I, I guess, you know, pretty much any school in the country wants somebody who's got, um, starting experience on the weekend. Um, but the head coach at Furman, um, Brett Harker had a personal connection to coach Foxhall. Um, it had something to do with, uh, I believe coach Foxhall was his college pitching coach at, um, college Charleston, maybe, uh, I don't want to get that wrong, but that's there. That's what the connection was from. And then, um, you know, he put in a good word for me. Coach Fox was really interested, and then uh, State gave me an offer. And then, you know, first year here, I committed immediately. I, I love Mississippi State. You know, there was no competition for me. So, um, and then first year we here, we won the national championship. So, it's a good way to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you could draw things up and you got a transfer, might as well go win a title, right? <laughs> um, how was the adjustment for you? You know, a lot of times we – we see guys who have difficulty making adjustments, even if they are at the top of their game, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes a while. I think of Scotty DeBrule. I think of R.J. Yeager. Right. Um, guys who for the first couple, first month, really, first month and a half, where you're like, man, I don't know, mm-hmm. and then something happens. Was there a moment where you felt like, hey, man, this has happened for me. I belong here? Um, well, I'll tell you this. The first scrimmage that we played at State in the fall um, – I came in, I was like third out of the bullpen, and right before me, Eric Sarantola had pitched. I was like, man, this guy's throwing really hard. And then, you know, I pitched, and I, I did really well. I think I threw a scoreless inning, and then guy came in behind me. I can't even remember who it was, but he was up to 97. I was like 92, 93. I was like, man, how am I going to find a spot on this team? Everybody throws like upper 90s. Um, and then, you know, we the, the fall continued. Um I started getting my confidence back, which is, you know, my confidence is not that I throw 100 miles per hour. It's that I'm a good pitcher, you know. Um, and those guys that I was talking about, they were great pitchers too. But turns out I was, you know, I could compete with them. Um, and then come first week of the season, um, or I guess sec- second week of the season was my first outing. Um, I pitched a good last inning against Tulane, and then Luke Hancock hit a walk-off grand slam. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, I'm reminded of – Making a mockery of the broadcasting profession. When that happened, <laughs> was it say hello to my little friends? Is that what I said, Charlie? It is. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. So many guys talk about in when when you come into college pitching. You mentioned at Furman, you were the Friday night guy, and we <laughs> talked to so many different guys who, who talk about starting in the bullpen and then then going to a starting role. You were in a starting role, and then you get here and you're out of the bullpen. How was that different for you? Because some guys can't self-generate because you've got to get out there and you don't know when you're going to be used. When you're in a starting role, you know, hey, I'm going to start on Friday night. That means on Tuesday I'm going to throw a bullpen. I'm going to do this thing here. I know i got to get my sleep to whatever. How difficult is it to make that change from being a starting pitcher to working out of the bullpen? I'd say, like, generally it's really difficult. Uh, for me, I'm, I guess I'm lucky. Um, I had done some relieving in high school uh, my sophomore year. Uh, so I had, and I had been in pretty big, you know, spots towards the end of the game. Um, and then it just kind of came naturally to me. I don't, I don't know what else to say really besides, um, 
I was I was starting and doing well at Furman, and then I got here, and um, they were giving me the ball kind of as like a bridge role between a starter and Landon. Um, and pitching before Landon, it's like how could you not have confidence? You know, if you do anything wrong, he's just going to come in and save you. So I just went out there and, and threw the ball like I knew how to. Um, and I didn't even have that great of a season. But in terms of the the – um, change from starting to relieving it really wasn't so, so bad for me um, and I guess having it's that much adrenaline in front of that many fans um, as opposed to literally playing in front of like 50 people before that uh, that helped me a lot too like I was never going to lose velocity or you know be worry about how my arm feels during an outing like I was you know never focused on that like I would be in a start maybe you know it feels like you're a little bit different in that regard because when you listen, there are a lot of guys. I guarantee you there's a lot of locker rooms if you walk into in late January and you say, raise your hands if you're a relief pitcher. There aren't many hands going up. Everybody's yep. got this idea that they need to be a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like you embrace that role and it's just different. Am I wrong in seeing that in other guys? No, you're right. Um, that's It was one of my – You know, I don't, I don't really want to go into uh, things I didn't like about last season – but one of the things uh, that we had, you know, a problem with last season and, you know, as you know, all the coaches have really talked about this a lot is um, we had um, guys that really needed to embrace being relievers. And so many guys wanted to compete for starting roles. Um, and it's understandable why that happens, you know. Um, and it's no different basketball when you try to ask somebody to become a six man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. And as really in my mind, you know, last year I was – I'd like to say before I got hurt, I was kind of locking down on a closer spot. And I'd say, I mean, so last year you go four and a third, you don't walk anybody. I think you struck out six, right? Didn't give up a run. Mm. That's a pretty good way to lock down a roll. <laughs> yeah, I was I was pitching well. I was feeling good, and I love like I love starting, but there's nothing more fun for me than closing or pitching. Like when the game's on the line, it's a close game. Everything matters. All eyes are on you. Like that's what I live for. Um, and I know, I think you're right. I think a lot of guys would much rather start. And it, like I said, it makes sense. You're going to make a lot more money, you know, in the draft, uh, in the big leagues as a starter, probably, but I, it's more fun. I love baseball, man. I, I like to pitch in the late innings when it's fun. So, so, so let me ask you this, because it seems like over the past few weeks, and we're going to talk about your role as a first base coach in a minute, but I'm asking, I'm, I'm talking to the pitching, uh, psychologist here. Okay. <laughs> um, it seems like over the past few weeks, people say, what is the change in this team and why is it playing better? It seems just looking that there are guys now who want the baseball that weren't entirely sure they wanted it a month ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can definitely, yeah. And I've heard that said many times already, and I can see how it it definitely seems like that. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's 100% um, what's going on, but it – I, I don't know. And well, we have a lot of example. Colby Holcomb to me oh, looks yeah. much more confident with mm-hmm. the ball in his hands now yeah. than he did a month ago. I definitely agree about the confidence part. You know, like Colby, I mean, Colby's so good. And and then we also have like Nixon's back from injury. Um, Nate Dome's been good for us all year, but he's, he's had the confidence. It's, it's the guys with the confidence that, you know, we've been really relying on these past couple of weeks when we've been playing well. Um, and, and that goes back to, you know, me saying I love, I live for the last innings of the game. Um, and it's not just pitching. You know, you look at Dakota this weekend, strikes out um, swinging on Friday. 
And then he's like, no, I live for those moments. He's got the confidence, you know, and that's what, that's what makes winning baseball. Um, if you're at Mississippi State playing baseball, you're really good, you know, and it's not that you're not going to be able to compete with the guys. If you have the confidence, you can do it. It's just mainly mental. Um, but, yeah, we've, we've broken that mental barrier the past couple of weeks for sure. Well, I think you hit on one thing too, guys getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, because with Nixon – um, he strikes me as a guy that hasn't lacked confidence. He's just lacked health. For sure. Man, you think about – you could go back and say, if if this team makes the run that it feels like it's about to make, mm-hmm. that the job he did on Sunday, coming in, bases loaded in a mess, getting out of that was a big old moment, whether it's oh, the yeah. last inning or not. It completely changed our season, yeah. And and that's what we – you know, we, we brought him here, and we knew that he was going to do something like that for us. Um Maybe not that big of a situation. Like that big of, that was situation was just unbelievable. But we knew he was going to be our guy. Um, whether or not Dome has been pitching the way he has, whether or not you know um, we've had Cade hurt most of the season, you know stuff like that it doesn't matter. Nixon's unbelievable, and he's had experience, and we can trust him, and he's got the confidence, like you said. So, and that's one of the things too. You, you mentioned about getting Cade back. So Cade pitches on Friday, then all of a sudden you get three innings out of Colby. Mm-hmm. You get three innings out of KC, and so you look back to three weeks ago and you get to Sunday and you're just trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to piece 27 innings together? Yeah. And that injury portion, and now you've got so many different guys who are pitching well. Going back to Sunday, I thought Lowe, you talk about confidence, I thought Lowe had as much confidence Sunday as I've seen him in his entire career. Oh, yeah, for sure. He looked amazing Sunday, and, you know, it, all, it really helps when he's, um, you know, he's been pitching righty only for the past couple of weeks. When he can pitch with both hands and have confidence from both sides, he is unbelievable. And he's good. Like I said, he's good righty only too, for sure. But um, he, when he's got that that confidence going, and this weekend was so big for that too. Like we really needed him to um, start understanding how good he is, you know. And and he, we all know he's good. It's just can he pitch to that level and and get that confidence for himself? And he did this weekend. And now you know I'm ready for him to keep doing it. So thought that left-handed breaking pitch from him was as good as it's been all year. Oh, yeah. It's big, man. It has a lot of break, a lot of side break. It's so hard for lefties to hit that. So, In some of the conversations I've had with coaches before, and they start talking about players, and everybody grows up playing travel ball now, and you play a just a vast number of games before you ever get to a college campus. And they talk about the first time a guy gets hurt that's when sometimes things change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's tough mentally as much as it is physically. How has that change been for you? Because it's really the first time in your life you hadn't been able to pitch. Right, yeah. Um, you know, I everyone said that it was going to be real tough on me mentally. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm chugging through it. Uh, I'm doing great. Um, I've just been, you know, been trying to be a good teammate through the injury and um, as, you know, as much as I can and, rely on my faith, uh, keep me going. And I'm, I'm all good, man. I'm, I'm living, I'm living about as happy as I can be without playing, you know, playing obviously would make it a little bit better, but I love being out there with my, with my team. I love the fact that I'm able to travel this year. Like I I wasn't expecting to do that. So, you know, props to coach Lemon allowing me to travel, but, um, I don't know. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So how how did you, how did you make the pitch to say, I want to be the first base coach. <laughs> well, I, I didn't even make a pitch. That's what's so crazy about it. Um, but last year I was coaching first base. Um, I want to say the most on the team until me and Landon both got hurt. Um, and Landon had coached a little bit too. 
and then, you know, once me and Milana both got hurt, like, you know, it was kind of Landon's team. He let him go out there and, and do his thing, and, and he coached first base. And um, once he was gone, you know, we've, we've had a player uh, coach first base for the last, you know, two or three years now. So uh, we needed somebody else to do it, and I had the most experience. And I just kind of walked out there, and I like doing it. You know, it's fun. I like to talk to the runners and um, provide a little comedic relief when they get to first base. So, So let me ask you this. Because obviously now with the pitch clock, the, the amount of time to give signals and have those discussions has gone down fairly significantly. Mm-hmm. Without giving up any state secrets, I'm not asking you for the signs or anything. <laughs> All right, but walk us through. Tell us what happens when uh, Luke Hancock gets down, takes a walk, gets down to first base. What's happening? All right. Well, <laughs> with Luke specifically, it kind of you know it depends on the hitter. But if Luke gets on first base, I'm going to tell him congrats and then not talk to him really because – uh, he's not really a, a running threat. Well, that's uh, what I was about to say. You're not. You're not going to be like, hey, look over there at Cheese and get the get the, the hit and run. Yeah, so maybe no, we should no have gone with Dakota here. Might <laughs> yeah. have a little more comedic relief yeah. there too. There you go. All right, so let's go with Dakota Jordan. Right. Okay. Well, Dakota Dakota comes to first base. Um, first thing, you know, I'll, I'll remind them. You know, depending on the amount of outs, if it let's say it's two outs, I'm saying scoring a double. Um, you know, trying to you know try not to run into a tag. Um, all the you know simple base running coaching things, just kind of reminders that he already knows. Um, Got to remind him to check his watch, which is how we um, give signs nowadays. We you know I don't know if y'all noticed this, but cheese isn't over there you know tapping his ear and then you know touches his head or anything like that. There's no signs anymore. They just tap a button and it comes up on our watch, which is really strange. Um, so I'm reminding him to check his watch, and I, and then you know one pitch will go by, and I'll make sure to time the pitcher's time to the plate. And then that's when, like, my job really is actually important. Um, besides just the simple reminders, it's, you know, I'm timing the pitcher's time to the plate, and then I'm giving advice to the runners whether or not I think they should steal pretty much. Um, you know, like I said, Luke is not somebody I'd be giving advice to, but guys that you would think are stolen base threats. Um, you know, it's not up to me always. It's up to them. Um, but I do like to say, you know, hey, man, curveball count here. Like, guys are 1.4 second to the plate, which is pretty slow. Um, I think you should steal, especially if it's somebody like Mershon. Like, man, guy's about as fast of a base runner as, as I've seen. It's super aggressive, got great jumps. Um, guys like that, I'm going to say, you know, I think he's probably going to throw a curveball here or he's slow to the plate. Like, just go, you know. So that's kind of my job. One of the things that Charlie and I have talked about with the, the new watches, you know, with the, with the – the technology now. So do you look down at your watch and it says, you know, like one through like three, I know three is hit and run. Or does it say like, okay, run. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're, when you're pitching, does it say one or does it say fastball inside? I mean, is it, is it like detailed out or is it like something that you've got to know in my mind? Okay. Three means this. Yeah. For, I don't know how it works for all the teams, but for the specific company that we have, I think ours are, is Pitchcom. Um, it says, like, for a pitcher, it would say fastball zone two. And for us, that's, like, fastball middle, you know. Um, or if you're a runner, it would say steal or hit. Um, if you're if you're if if there's no sign on, it just says hit um, or, or hit and run. It just literally, it's like a text. It's really strange. Uh, you just, like, check your Apple Watch in the middle of the game and see what they want you to do. So what are you doing during a practice? Are you with the hitters or are you with the pitchers? Um, I – am doing all sorts of stuff usually what i try to do is you know i get to practice a little early and get what i have to do like personally done so that would be my throwing and 
Um, I like to lift early if I can. And, you know, right now, I'm since I'm not pitching in games, I'm lifting all the time. Um, and then during practice, I'm I'm kind of a cheerleader, you know. <laughs> I'm kind of standing there next to the coaches, um, just kind of just being a leader, I guess, as much as I can. It seems like this experience, whenever you take the mound again, and being in the mind of hitters could actually make you a better pitcher. Oh, yeah. Sell you on that idea? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, this is a lot of people talk about this when they're hurt, um, especially with Tommy John. You're out for so long. Uh, you just learn so much just by watching the game. And it's not even just our games. It's, you know, I'm having more time to watch MLB guys and, like, talk to people and um, just learn so much more about baseball in general. And then in addition to that, you know, this is kind of a little thing. It's kind of funny, but – true like coaching first base makes me understand hitting and running and uh you know strategic running on certain pitches and pitch counts and all that kind of stuff more too like uh, for me you know I can assure you whenever I come back there's no way I'm slow to the plate because I'm just gonna have people stealing over me all the time you know so uh, stuff like that that I learned for sure but then also um watching our pitchers you know they're a little bit struggle at the beginning of the year with throwing strikes and then um, making the change and slowly but surely recently, like that's something that I will learn from. And, and that's something I don't want to fall into that trap too, you know? Um, so I, th- I think whenever I come back, I'm going to be set to pitch very well, pitch to my best. All right. So I got to ask you, mm-hmm. I've heard you now use the phrase twice when I come back. <laughs> um, what are the, what are the chances? Because look, I mean, you'll, you'll have options. What are the chances that number 17 is going to be back on the mound? Uh, it's a hundred percent chance, and it'll be in, at state. Um, I have no interest in leaving. Uh, I think Lynn would have to cut me <laughs> to get me to leave. So, Cowboys or Texans? <laughs> um, I'm a Texans fan. It's just it's tough times, <laughs> really tough times to be a Texans fan. <laughs> so I mean, it, no NFL to answer your question. Astros or Rangers? Astro. I'm an Astros fan. I was going to go with Astros or Integrity as my <laughs> choice. <laughs> All right. So here's the big question: Texas barbecue, brisket or Memphis style ribs? Oh man, uh, definitely brisket though. Definitely brisket. Best barbecue in Houston, Texas. Oh. Because we have a ton of Mississippi State alums mm-hmm. in the Houston area. And so they always – I hear Pinkertons. I hear Good Company. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite barbecue in Texas? If I had – I mean, I'd probably – off the top of my head, probably Good Company. Good Company barbecue is really, really good. Uh, but I don't know, man. There's just so much good barbecue in Houston. I could go on. There's, there's a big list. There's also the, the um, Papa Doe chain. Oh yeah, or like Papa's brothers. Yeah, chain. Papa. Yeah, Papa Steakhouse. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Papa's Steakhouse downtown. Mm-hmm. Papa Cedars. You got Papa Doe. You got. I mean, Papa Doe, Papa Cedars, Papa's brothers. Yeah, they're doing okay. Are oh, you yeah. Rockets fan? I am a Rockets fan. I don't really watch the NBA that much anymore. I'm kind of a. I don't know. I'm kind. Of, I like to you know, st- uh, stick with certain players that I kind of had an attachment to. I watched Steph Curry in college, so I'm a Warriors fan. You know. Um, but and the Rockets are just not playing so hot right now. So last question. Okay. Most frustrating place to drive: Highway 12 in Starville or Westheimer? In Highway Houston? 12. <laughs> There's nothing. So it's more worse than Westheimer. It, well, no, Westheimer's probably worse. But <laughs> Highway 12, man, I'll avoid Highway 12 on all costs. So Stone, great to see you, man. <laughs> great to see you. Appreciate Thank you, guys. You. Yeah, I really appreciate y'all. Stone Simmons, Mississippi State pitcher, he'll be back. 
You just heard it right there. Let's let him get out of here. Charlie, I'm not worried about the coaching profession. I'm worried about that guy taking my job. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, <I> think, <laughs> man, we, we need to add him to the team. Maybe we could have him in here on weekends. You think we get Stone Simmons for Sunday coffee? Sunday coffee. All right, what happened? Yeah, he was he was laid back. That was great. That was great stuff. And that conversation brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi. Down in Florence, Mississippi, Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. And we're also brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus go to the five locations now, the three in the state of Mississippi. Hickory, that's the original location. If you're in the need for heavy machinery, Barco for the Forester, Saney, Excavators and mini excavators, Hickory, Starville, Columbus, Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria, Louisiana, and Bessemer, Alabama. Or go to tracksplus.com for their new or used equipment, great growing brand. And that conversation with Stone Simmons. Charlie, hey man. So coming up this weekend, as we get ready to get out of here, you got the Auburn Tigers on the road at Auburn this weekend. Hey, we talked earlier about RPIs and things of that nature. We said a few weeks ago that this was a part of the schedule, Alabama, Ole Miss, and now Auburn. If you were going to have a moving time in the season to get things turned around, it was going to be during that time period. This is a big weekend upcoming. No, it absolutely is. Because you've started to make the move, now you got to keep making it. Absolutely. Sure do. You can't cover up some birdies with any bogeys here. No. And, hey, there are good friends, but we want to beat them this weekend as far as Butch Thompson, Greg Dry, and that crew over there. Darren Schoenrock now on the coaching staff at Auburn as the pitching coach, former pitching coach here at State. And so Mississippi State and Auburn this weekend. Charlie and I will be back tomorrow for a Tracks Plus deep dig to get you ready for the weekend as State takes on the Auburn Tigers. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Always great to, to talk baseball. Hey, it was great to talk with Stone Simmons as well. And we'll come back for Tracks Plus Deep Dig later in the week. You've been listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.